1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. mobilecom
2: WGR. Uh, give me the offensive lineman for the Packers who was last introduced during pregame introductions. Kramer. Not as incorrect. That's a good guess, Kramer, because, you know, he was on that line. So it's not Kramer, and it's not Forrest Greg. And it's not Thurston. So there's only a couple more. Time to relax and rewind. Rick, the final Packer of offensive lineman announced during pregame introductions in Super Bowl One. Howard Simon. No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's not say One more. It's not Primer! It is not Bill Curry. It is not Howard Simon. Um. Forest Greg! No, I said it's not Forrest, dammit! It's not Forrest Greg! It is not Kramer! It it's is not... It's the best of WGR. This is the goal that you give me? Zach, who's the lineman? And I'm going to say Bill Curry. No, I just said it wasn't Bill Curry, dammit! The Nightcap on WGR. Sports Radio 550. <laughs> Yay! Yay!
3: I'm going to try to match that intensity tonight. The Nightcap, Joe DiBiase, John Simon. Is this is the first time you've produced for The Nightcap. I believe that it is. I think All we've right. done a
2: few sports talk Saturdays together and whatnot. But yeah,
3: we've done that, and we've done uh, or it was uh, during, like the midweek shift, in between like when the instigators were off or something. Oh, maybe that's along those right. Lines.
2: It was the uh, it was the Derek and Joe yes. midday special.
3: Right. It's exactly what it was. It was special. Uh, so I got John Simon in with me today. We've got Sabre News, Kinda, Jason Bottrell and his comments from earlier today. If you didn't just hear him, we just played him back a few minutes ago. Uh, you can catch those on demand at wGR550.com. I'm sure, we'll hear some clips through them throughout the show as well. And they've been uh... <laughs> they've been talked about, and another loss last night. They're like it's funny. We haven't talked on the station a, a whole lot about last night's game. And that, that's just, last night's game is not really, you know, it doesn't really stand out. You group it together with what it's been here. 8030550 is the phone number if you want to get on in on anything that we uh, are talking about tonight. We'll talk a lot of deadline. Uh, the Sabre struggles as of late. I want to take a look back. Really, is what I want to do. I'm going to start by taking a look back. Remember November? The 10-game win streak. And... How much fun it was to watch the games. How much fun it was to look forward to the games. All right. I would be checking my schedule every day, twice, to make sure I knew when they were playing next. I couldn't wait for the next game. Couldn't wait to talk about those games. And we did a show. I went back in my notebook. I got this notebook here where I jot down my thoughts before like throughout the day what I want to talk about on the show. And I'm flipping back and I'm looking through November. Like what, what were we talking about in November? And I go back to Well, first of all, let me go even further back before the 10-game win streak. Before the season, over and over and over, I write in my notebook, 86 points, 86 points, 86 points. That's what I thought they were as a team, and really that's what I was hoping for, for them as a team. Because what is 86 points for the Sabres before the season? That is a big jump from what you were last year, which was 62. That is 24 more points than you had the season before. That is likely a playoff race down to the last few weeks. 86, maybe you're not in it in the final few games, but you're going into the final month, at least with some sort of shot. Flip a few more pages forward, I get to November 20th. You know what we were talking about on this show on November 20th? The things that you care about right now that you haven't cared about in a long time with this team. That was a fun show. Celebrations. I got in here. Who's the, who are roommates with each other? We found out Darlene and Middlestat were roommates. Uh the stupid stuff on the jumbotron between periods. Who's friends on the team? Ice time. We'd be mad about who's getting a certain amount of ice time or who wasn't getting it more. Line combinations. Who was being scratched? Like really caring about that. Who was starting for other teams in the NHL on that night? Were the Bruins starting Halak or Tuukka Rask? Hmm, who would I rather they play? Just watching the out-of-town scoreboard in general. Every show I did here for two months, I'd have the standings page open. I haven't had it open all this week. I don't even want to look at it. Whereas, I was checking it five times a day. I just had to look. That they really first place? I just wanted to check again to make sure I'm not dreaming, or I didn't imagine that the Sabres were in first place. Like, they were actually in first place, so I had to keep looking. It was beautiful. Top of the mountain, there they were. Scrums. Officiating. Like, getting really mad about that stuff, and getting really into it. Keith Yandel going after Jeff Skinner. Like, we were still in really good shape then, and we cared about that a lot. Right now, like, is anybody talking about the fact that Jake McCabe got elbowed in the face last night? There are just large problems at hand where it's overwhelming all that stuff that we were having fun caring about in November. One more page after that. November 23rd. But I have written down in my little notebook here, expectations for the rest of the season. On November 23rd, (laughs) I have written down, it's not about the wild card anymore. It's not about chasing a playoff spot. It's about getting a top three division spot. Holy cow. Do you want to play the Leafs or the Blue Jackets? 86 points at the beginning of the season, 95 now? I mean, that's where we were. And at the very least, what you would have wanted from this team, and I thought this at the time, because I, I, that 10-game win streak was fun, no doubt. I didn't for a second think that they were the best team in the NHL. I didn't for a second think that they were better than the Tampa Bay Lightning. Maybe I thought they were getting to the same level as Toronto, but... They were not on Tampa's level. The elite of the elite in the NHL. They were not there. They were an average to slightly above average team in my mind. Which should have been with what you had. That 10-game win streak. That big cushion between you and a non-playoff spot. You should have been safe playing average hockey the rest of the season. Being an average team. Middle of the road. You would have been in great shape to make the playoffs, at the very least. If you played below average, we should have been talking about a race, at the very least. Like a serious race. Not what's going on right now. i got to pull up the standings page, because I, like I said, I haven't really looked at it. i got to figure out exactly where they are. They're not in a real race right now. We're back to where we were two years ago. Where it's, oh, well if we put together a 7-8 game win streak, then we're right there. But they got to put together a 7 or 8 game win streak to do that. The fact that they have that 10-gamer early in the season I think really shows you how bad they've been in the past few months. Result-wise. I still think, largely, they're about an average team. Overall. But lately they are not playing like it. It's not just result-driven. Jason Bottrell talked about that a lot today in his press conference it was i i i okay i'm okay with the way they're playing we're giving ourselves chances to win third period we're in it we're just not getting the results he was just short of saying we're just the bounces just aren't going our way and i think it's wrong you can be an average team and still be playing like crap for a month cuz they have been They've been outscored 9-1 to in the last three-third periods against the 12th, 13th, and 14th teams in the East. Are you kidding? The Panthers, Devils, and Rangers. We were supposed to be way above that earlier in the season. And you're getting stomped in the most important period, three games in a row. And your only goal is by a guy who hadn't scored in half a season with six seconds left, down three. How low they've sank. Because they are not just getting bad results. They are not just getting bounces going against them. They are not playing well at all. There are deep problems on this roster that need to be fixed. There is absolutely hope. Like, if you look at them long-term, long-term, I'm still very much optimistic. Because they have arguably the second most valuable piece in the NHL, Rasmus Dalin. Other than Connor McDavid, who would you rather have starting a team right now? Dalin might be the second guy. If there was an NHL redraft tomorrow, he might go second. Maybe. Like I'm not, I'm not definitively saying that. I might start as I even start to think now, maybe like Nathan McKinnon, maybe I would want to take second. I'm sure Austin I'm forgetting Matthews. people. Austin Matthews, maybe I'd want to take second. I could even argue Eichel would be in the conversation, but I wouldn't probably do it, but you can argue you could debate it. You've got that piece that you got lucky, but you got that piece. And you've got Middlestat, who I was starting to question a little bit as we got to the midway point. And even though he's not piling up the points, I think since the All-Star break, he's been one of their best players. He is driving possession. He is creating scoring opportunities. And I think in part, it's helped by the fact that he's been paired with Sam Reinhart. But he has me excited, too. And he's had me excited. As he's had a lot of us excited. Hockey News had him as the number one ranked prospect outside of the NHL last year. Just those two guys alone should breed excitement for what they are long-term. But what they are now, as a product on the ice, was at least supposed to be average. They're one of the worst teams in the league for a month and a half. They're not even giving us the opportunity to care that the Bruins are playing tonight. They're not even giving us the opportunity to care about out-of-town scores. We can't even care about the deadline. That's how far they've sank. All they had to do was keep it above water. Because really what this has been has been the past, like last year. This is last year. The past month and a half is what the Sabres were last year. Playing like a 60-point hockey team. Losing to three of the worst teams in the East. Like losing to them by more than one goal, too. Like, how do you get beat by the Rangers by four at home? Have you watched a lot of Rangers hockey this year? They've basically been propped up by Henrik Lundqvist. Like, there's not much on that roster. And Lundqvist has kind of a little bit rejuvenated this year. Like, he's had some tough years as of late. Like, he's been great this year. Oh, and by the way, he did not play against the Sabres. Did I mention that? It's just, I'm I'm in a bad place with what the team is right now. And I think we all should be. Now, when you look forward, I'm not so sure. Even though I'm frustrated, and I know a lot of us are frustrated, and immediately you want to start thinking about who's gotta pay for it. You start sliding like this, you have an epic collapse like this, somebody's gotta pay. Somebody's fault, somebody's gotta somebody's gotta fall on the sword. And I'm not so sure that somebody does. It might, it's gonna take it's gonna be annoying, but I think you just gotta ride it out. I think you just got to see what the rest of the season is, and for me, for me to really want this coach to be out of here, and I'm getting there, I'm on the fence with him, I don't see a realistic scenario that he'd be fired at the end of the season. That doesn't mean there isn't, uh, uh, there isn't at least one scenario out there where it could happen. They would have to have a collapse of epic proportions. If they don't get to 80 points, I mean, what does that look like in your second half of your season? You were first place in the NHL and you didn't crack 80 points. Then maybe I think we start to have a serious conversation about it. But you heard Bottrell today. He not only did he sound surprised by the fact that he was being asked about the coach. He almost seemed defiant in answering it. The fans want Phil Housley fired? No. That's not happening. That was kind of his tone when asked about that. So, unless, to me, they just have, I'm talking historic, a historic collapse here. Which I guess could happen, but... I'm not so sure that this team is capable of that because, like I said, I think they're average when you boil it down. Other than that happening, I think he's back for next year at the very least, Housley. And what do you look past that? Like, if is someone going to pay for it after that? O'Reilly, you already traded him. What big name on your team are you going to trade? You know who probably would be next would be Rasmus Rostolainen. He'd be the next big name we'd get to. Culture problem. You gotta change it up. You gotta change the scenery. He's got value. Let's see what you could get for him in return. I think Ris if this team continues to slide, is the name we're gonna talk about trading in the offseason. And I know he has his doubters, and they're fair doubters, and they are fair criticisms of him. He has terrible analytics. And that is not just like numbers crap. That's not just the geeks finding a way to make him look bad. He has a lot of holes in his game. But to me, what he brings to you as, like a, I think he's a solid second pair defenseman, at the very least, if not a pretty good number two defenseman on a good team. I don't want to get stuck in the position with him that I feel like we did way back when with Tyler Myers. We were so frustrated that he didn't become what we thought he could be. We thought Tyler Myers was going to be a Norris winning trophy winner. You're lying to yourself. You didn't. It didn't cross your mind at least once. He was six eight, could skate like the wind, and won the Calder Trophy at nineteen. And a lot of us, I'm betting, maybe had similar thoughts about Ristolainen coming up. I know I did when he played in his rookie year. Looking at his physical abilities, where he was drafted, uh, raw but fast, big, hell of a shot. Man, it crossed my mind, hey, maybe this guy could be a future Norris winner. Maybe, in his prime. And I don't want to get to a point where we're trading good players because they're not good enough. There are other holes in the team that is is the bigger issue. I should have rephrased that. I don't want to be trading good players because they're not franchise players. Because we're frustrated that they didn't become what we wanted originally, and that I don't want to get to a point with that with Ristolainen. I think like there's trades out there, of course, where I'd be fine. If they traded him for Jonathan Huberdeau tomorrow, I'm gonna be <laughs> I'm gonna be climbing up the walls in here. But I don't want to be trading guys just for the sake of trading guys when they're good. That's what they did with Ryan O'Reilly, and that trade is not looking so hot right now. They cannot get to a point where they need change for the sake of change. So the rest of the season, I don't know if they're going to be able to climb their way back in this playoff race, but they cannot have an epic collapse. We can't be talking about blowing things up again. (laughs) I'm going to go crazy. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. Let's go to Ron. Ron, you're first up in the nightcap. What's up, man?
4: Hey, guy. What's up, man? Hey, how are you? I'm sad. I'm so sad. (laughs) We went at the mall that day back in October, and we thought this could be something this season. I'm sad. I can't believe it. I'm not going to put it on Housley because I don't know what coach can come in and do something with this lineup. Our superstars are, are being superstars. He's Housley's known to be a, a kid, a young coach, a young players coach. He coached Team USA. They were winning. He coached, or you know, the junior USA teams. And our stars are playing well. Reinhardt's doing well. Eichel's doing. well. Skinner, I guess he's yeah, I agree with that. young, twenty-six. Yeah. I just, it's it's the guys that like. Um, as much as Larsen had a good game, look at the game against Carolina. You stood there and watched the guy score. It's like, how is he not telling him to do that? And, you know, Paul Hamilton said many times. Some of these players, they do great in practice, and then they forget about it in the game. How can you put that on Housley? It's a scapegoat. And I know people say, well, he, he doesn't put the line together correctly. Well, they know the analytics, too. Maybe he, no one really knows. I just, changing it again would be so dumb. Who would come in here anyways? I mean, if I were Housley, someone's going to say, what, you're going to give me two years, that's it?
3: Yeah, well, see, like, the thing, I want want to fight you a little bit on the analytics part, because I, there are people who do know, like, Housley is saying things, even on our station, that are provably wrong, and, like, the Sabotka thing from a couple weeks ago, uh, the shot attempts thing, like, I haven't seen anyone that has any evidence that they've been one of the best shot generation teams in the last few weeks, but we had Housley on our airwaves saying that this week, so... To me, like, I'm on the fence with him, too. I'm not ready to fire him, and I'm not even clamoring for that to happen. I agree with your point, by the way, that, like, the star players on this team, they're playing well, right? Eichel's having a career year. Not that he hasn't had good years before this. Reinhardt is having a career year. I think he's already passed his career high in points. And not only is Reinhardt past career high in points, he is, this year, maybe for the first time, producing away from Jack Eichel. Which is big. Darlene's playing great. I think he was probably going to play great no matter who his coach is. But he's playing great. He's already playing over 20 minutes a night. If Elias Patterson didn't exist, he'd win the Calder. And... Skinner. Like you mentioned, Skinner. Skinner's got 40 goals already. Almost. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to balance the blame roster to coach. I think what I gotta do is I gotta just say you're not deep enough on your roster. I can't be blaming my top players for that and I can't be blaming my coach for that. Entirely. He definitely deserves some blame. He plays Saboka way too much. That's just a fact. (laughs) Way too much. The guy's got four goals in the season. One came last night when it didn't matter with seven seconds left. and if uh, This is how far my memory goes back. Game one against the Bruins when the game was over, I think is when his, one of his other goals came. Otherwise, he's got two goals against the Blues and then there's zeros for the rest of the season. And that guy's out there playing 20 minutes sometimes. Depending on injuries and whatever. Part of the problem is that utilizes a player like that. The other problem is that the way the team is built right now, you have too many players that don't provide you any offensive ability, and that's one of them. So that's, to me, where the blame should almost be balanced but between roster and coach. But if you fix what your bottom six looks like, and you fix your blue line, which still needs to happen, like five years later, we've been talking about this, then when coaching decisions become start to become easier... I think his system works. It's just all the, all the questionable decisions, and that I, maybe I want the coach if I can find him. That's always going to make the right decision. Quenville's out there. Maybe it's him. But I don't think I need to move on from Housley just for the sake of moving on from Housley. Jim in Ithaca. Jim, you're on the nightcap. What's up?
1: How you doing, man? Good. How about you? Yeah, not bad. I just want to uh, review a a few historical factors, mainly um, that whole uh, issue when uh, they had Pat LaFontaine and Ted Nolan.
3: Okay. What about it?
1: I don't think we've ever really known what the heck that was all about, because they, they canned LaFontaine, and that seemed to undermine the whole integrity of that.
3: Jim, thanks for the call. Um, let's go to Dwayne and Tanawanda. Dwayne, you're on the nightcap. What's up.
1: Hey, thanks for taking my call, man. Sure thing. Um, I'm, I'm just as frustrated as you, man. I'm a long time season ticket holder. Um, you know, I go back to when the arena first opened with my dad in the 200 club seats when it was Marie Midland Arena. You know, I've been all right. through all the ups. I've been through all the downs, and the ups and downs of this season. We were on an all time high with a 10 game winning streak, and now we're at all time low, like we were last year. You know this sucks, and I, I definitely sympathize with you, man. This this sucks, and I agree with you that you know the future is something really to be optimistic about. And mm. you know, when the Charlie Coyle thing just went down, and I'm going through my Twitter feed, and I went back went back and forth with a uh, writer from the Buffalo News about you know <laughs> you know you know not selling the first round picks for Charlie Coyle, and I I, I just I just kind of disagree. And it, you know, if Boston did call us. Looking for a first-round pick for him. I applaud Botterill for hanging up the phone.
3: Oh, wait, 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 I'm sorry. You mean Minnesota? Like, we're talking about Coyle, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry. Okay. I'm in Minnesota, yeah. Sorry. you went to Boston. Yeah. I, I applaud him for hanging up the phone because, you know, I, I really think that I, I've kind of accepted this year for what it is. Yeah. And look forward to draft day, not because I want to use those picks because draft day, when you have assets like this, is a day where you can mm-hmm. get those players with term. Kind of like we did with Skinner. Not saying you're going to get Jeff Skinner, but you can get a you have a better chance of getting a guy like, Jeff, you know, who can contribute.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean, man. And I kind of I agree with you completely on the first part, and I would say I half agree with you in the second part. Not not even agree with you. It's hard for me to get up for the draft again. I'll get there. They have three first round picks. Ugh. Just even having to think about the NHL draft right now. Like, I don't want to be in that spot again, but that's where we are. On your first point, I am so happy. Like, man, you just you made the right point. I'm so happy that they did not make that trade. The Bruins has traded Ryan Donato, who's one of their best prospects. For Coyle. Who is pretty good. You know, he's a 45, 50-point player on a good year. They traded one of their best prospects to do that. <sighs> if the Sabres would have made that move, I would not oh, I would be not be happy right now. Not that I don't hate the player Coyle. I don't even know if they have a comparable prospect to Donato. Like, Nylander should be that, but he's really not. If they traded Tage Thompson for Charlie Coyle, yeah, no thanks. Or one or two of those firsts. Probably one. Two would have been... Psycho, to trade for Charlie Coyle. If they had traded a first-round pick or Tage Thompson for Charlie Coyle, yeah, I'm I'm glad they're not doing that, at the very least. Boston's a different spot than you know. You were supposed to be in a similar spot, trying to win right now. Boston's in that spot. 8030550 is the phone number. Thanks for the call, man. Uh, we'll keep rolling through your calls as we go along. Got to take a break, though, so we'll do that first, and then we'll get to your calls right after that. 8030550 is the phone number. Jody Biassi, John Simon, running the board today on the Nightcap on WGR.
5: Jason and I talk on a day-to-day basis, talking about our players' situations, travel, just to name a few things. So we have a very good line of communication. Uh, we have a good vision together, and that's going to remain strong.
3: Sabres head coach Phil Housley. Talking about his general manager, his boss, I think. I think it's how it works. I'm not sure, so sure that's how it works over at One Bill's Drive, but I think it's how it works at the arena. Um, you can listen to that as well, on demand, WGR550.com. Sabres lost again last night to another non-playoff team in the Florida Panthers. 4-2. With the second Sabre goal coming with like seven seconds left, game is over. Saboka gets to end his goal drought with that. 63 points in 59 games. I mean, it's still not that bad if you look at it season-wide. But when you really break apart the season, it's so frustrating. Really, when you even break apart the last three games. I sat in here last week, and I mentioned who their next three games were against. And I'm like, yeah, this is a big opportunity. It's a big opportunity. You can win your next three. It's a four-game win streak. You have three weak teams coming up. Those are games you should win if you're going to be a real playoff race team. You do that, and baby, we're talking. Maybe we're in a spot at the end of it. They lost all three in regulation. Six points out the window. Guess how far out of a playoff spot they are right now, by the way. Six points. Six points. They'd be tied with Columbus. Same amount of games played. They'd be tied with Columbus. Two points behind Montreal. Two points behind Pittsburgh. Four points behind Washington. Suddenly you would have had so many more targets come into play. The what if game is tough? But the last three games are evidence to me that this team is not a legit playoff race team. Even that, which we should have had. We should have had a serious race. You got the Blue Jackets maybe about to trade two of their best players. And the Sabres are not in an opportunity to take advantage of that. Instead, you've let Carolina and Philly jump ahead. 8030550 is the phone number. Kevin in Tanawanda, you're first up in the second. What's up, Kevin? Kevin, you there? No, Kevin. All right. Dan in Denver. Dan, you're on the nightcap.
0: Yes, um, I think I have a, a little bit of a, maybe a little bit different take on this uh, on this uh, slump that the Sabres are in, in a way, I think it maybe shakes up the uh, the GM and, and the coach and maybe uh, forces them to take some hard, you know, a hard look at what they actually have rather than if the Sabres were, you know, maybe sixth or seventh uh, in, in the standings right now. You know, because I think a lot of us knew that uh, that that early win streak was a little bit of uh, smoke and mirrors. And I I guess that if they would have kept winning and then maybe at the end of the year tailed off, then maybe they would have thought, well, uh, you know, we were close and we don't really need to do a whole hell of a lot here. But now, maybe with this trade deadline coming, maybe they take a different perspective, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, a, a, a different look. That the trade line is uh, trade deadline is coming, and what? Maybe it, it it puts a different.
3: Uh, what do you mean in terms of them being sellers?
0: View of of how they go into that trade deadline, and maybe maybe they'll be more more willing to shake things up.
3: Dan, how like being being sellers, or like well, how are you talking? To shake things up. What do you mean?
0: Well, and that's exactly what I'm saying. I don't know. Uh, is it a combination of maybe? Both? I don't know what it is. Uh, buying and selling, I, I don't know exactly. I was hoping to maybe get your okay.
3: perspective on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I have one thought on that. I mean, it's happened before. The um, The trade I immediately thought of when you said that was Hodson for Cassian. And that wasn't even really a shake-up, but it was its kind of a hockey trade. And, I don't know. Sabres traded, like, could Alex Nylander be traded at the deadline? Could Gouley be traded at the deadline? Could, I don't think Thompson would be traded. You just got him, and he's young. Not, not only is he young, but he showed promise in the NHL. Maybe only a little, but he has. I don't know what we're talking about, big shakeup. Like, I don't know what you, what's left to do that they need to do. The only thing to me that would make any sort of sense that is a big shakeup like that is trading Ristolainen and getting back a player of similar value of similar age. Like, can I find a lesser version of Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson? Can I find a slightly more balanced version of Adam Larson for Taylor Hall? Or, I mean, if someone wants to give me Taylor Hall for Ristolainen, I mean, of course, our side would be fine there. But I don't want to be put in a place where big shakeup means I'm trading guys for the sake of trading guys. Because that's what they did with O'Reilly. And that i I just every day that goes by, that trade looks worse and worse. O'Reilly last night in overtime, you know, three on three when skating is supposed to mean that much more. And I'm not saying O'Reilly's some great skater, he's not. Against the Leafs, he forces a turnover, gathers the puck. Goes all the way up to the ice himself. Scores. 11 wins in a row for the Blues. Is their culture going to blow things up for them? Sometimes the production should outweigh the culture. And that was one example. They don't need to be making trades for the sake of making trades. That's the, the biggest point that I'm trying to get across here. So if shake-up means a hockey trade, do it. If shake-up means I'm trading Ristolainen for a late first-round pick, no no way. I'm not doing that. How is that helping me for the next five years? The next three, I should say. Because eventually you'd get that first-round pick, hopefully. Tom and Tanawanda's next. Tom, you're on the nightcap. What's up?
5: Hey, buddy, this team just keeps getting worse. I don't know if you're watching these games or not, but they've gotten blown away by some bad, bad teams. Defensive core is getting worse. They're getting confused. Darlene's making mistakes. Pilot looks lost out there. Your captain, $10 million man, goes a minus three in his last game against Florida. Now, minus three means that he was on the ice for three goals against what he should have been playing defense, should have been hustling back to get at.
3: I think minus three also means he doesn't get the credit for the power play one because it was on the power play. Plus minus is not a good stat to use for this, but continue.
5: Yes, plus minus is a good stat because it just shows you that he's not plus, doing his defensive responsibilities. Plus
3: minus is a stat that shows you what the rest of your team is. Plus minus is not really a good stat to use in judging an individual player. Oliver Rekman Larson, I think, has the worst plus minus in the NHL for the past five years. He's one of the great young defensemen in the league. It's just the fact that he plays in Arizona. Get blown out by these bad, bad teams. Right. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that. That is fair. They cannot be losing to the Panthers, Devils, and Rangers. Yes, their blue line is atrocious. But when you try to stretch the blame to the guys in the team that actually produce, that's when problems start to happen. That's when you really start to fall as an organization and as a team. When you got to blame somebody, so you blame the the, the top guys because... Hey, they're here for it. They're supposed to be the leaders. Well, how maybe the people underneath them should start to help lift up instead of having one guy carry the offensive load for four four years in a row. That was really, and what, what really annoys me is that when we were going through the tank and we had to argue with the people that really didn't understand the purpose of it, or the people that didn't want to do it because it's not just one player that wins a cup. Yeah, we we underst- it's like we understood that point. We did. What was the point of the tank? To get the player that you can't get any other way. The support system, you're supposed to be able to find another way. You can find Jeff Skinners. The Sabres just did it. You can find Weenus Olmarks, a 6th round pick. Or Carter Hutton's, a $2 million free agent. You can find what the guys are supposed to be your supporting staff. You can't go get a Jack Eichel unless you're at the top of the draft. And a lot, a big counterpoint to what that whole season was, was he can't do it all himself. Eichel's not going to come in here and carry you to a cup. And now that he's here and he's the goods. He's great. Top 10 centerman in the league. I mentioned the re- NHL redraft. If there was an NHL redraft tomorrow, maybe he wouldn't go second, like I mentioned, but he would definitely go pretty high. He has not had the support around him. The guy was playing with Benoit Pouliot at times last year, who shouldn't have really even been in the league This year, they finally found him one winger. How about a blue line that can get him the puck? That's what really annoys me. Because it makes that point seem right. That, hey, the tank didn't work, or the tank was a dumb idea, because you can't just have one great player. Well, he wasn't supposed to be the only great player. He, in fact, is the only thing that's worked about this team in the past few years. He's been their best offensive player. Dude's not even 23 yet. He's been their best offensive player for half a decade already. Are we going to do that with Dalene in two years if the team is struggling? Because he's supposed to be their best player and he is their best player? They need other people to help lift up these young, great talents. So that Eichel doesn't have to be dragging four guys up and down the ice every shift. And that hopefully we don't have to get to a point where Darlene's got to be pushing four guys up the ice every night. They're not the issues. They never will be the issues. Because they're that great. Your issues reside in your depth. And your issues reside in the fact that you have maybe four or five players that can score a goal on their own. Eight oh three oh five fifty 550 is the phone number. We'll keep rolling through your calls after this on the Nightcap on WGR.
1: It's a lot harder to win games in the second half of the season. Teams are clamping down. When you put young players in the lineup, it's a physical drain. We have 18, 20-year-old 18, kids playing. It's very difficult, and not just playing, playing prominent roles. We understand that there's going to be growth. We'd always like development to be a straight line, straight up, but there's going to be bumps along the way. We're facing one right now with the last week or so, some of the adversity here. We're trying to find solutions.
3: Sabres general manager Jason Bottrill. Listen to his full thoughts at 8.03, or not at 8.03 that's the number you can call. You can listen to Botroll at WGR550.com and the Radio.com app. Let's go right back out to the phone lines. Tony in Buffalo, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man?
5: Hey, what's going on, bud? How are you today? Good. How are you? Not bad. Listen, um, where to begin? Earlier today, Paul Hamilton <laughs> mentioned players that have been here since, uh, you know, like the Nolan era that are key players that are not performing. Now, you know how many coaches do you want to go through? Like right now, I'm on the fence with a lot. Well,
3: before you continue, let's analyze that because really, who is a key player that was here under Ted Nolan? There's really only two, like, and I would only call one of them a key player right now. Ristolainen is the only guy for that. Gergensen's was a key player under Nolan, but he is not that now, and that's pretty much it.
5: Okay, so right, there's there's people that are not performing clearly. I mean, we sure. we got a good young goalie. That's I like I, I, Allmark. I think can get it done. Now, all right. So we've we've targeted our defensive core. We've got a brilliant young rookie, but the rest of the group just they they seem to be nowhere. And this is and it isn't like they've gotten better; they've gotten worse. You go from being like what the third seed in the whole entire league down to this. There's either a problem in the locker room. We don't have a coach that's strong enough to rectify the problem in the locker room, or this team is not playing in the right system. Which the coach is not cognizant enough to recognize that, or they say if they want to get players to play for the guy, well, guess what? I mean, this team obviously showed glimpses like where we could have maybe even we thought maybe we we're going to finally go deep into the playoffs, not just a playoff
3: burst. Tony, let me stop you for a second. Have you ever considered the fact that maybe none of those three things are the truth, and that or the reason, and that maybe it's just the fact that the players aren't good enough to hold on to the puck long enough or score goals, score enough goals.
5: Well, outside of our first line, you're right. We have no depth. We have one line. We're we're a a one-trick pony right now. And we don't even have enough good defense on the back end to show some outside. You know, there's got to be some value there for some of these people. And maybe it kind of changed the face around a little bit, minus, like, Eichel Reinhardt and, uh, you know, I I think five guys that you could say that are untouchable on this team and the other 15 could be gone.
3: Yeah, I mean, I agree with that, man. I I agree, I agree. I want to fight you on the three reasons you listed, but everything else I'm, I'm okay with there. The The culture, I just, it's not the problem. Your problem is your defenseman can't make a tape-to-tape pass other than Darlene. I mean, he makes 8,000 of them a night, and past that. I mean, I got Bogosian putting it in guys' skates. I got Scandella icing it when he's got an open guy through the neutral zone. Even McCabe struggles with that at times, not as much. I just can't. I can't make passes. I can't score goals. Gjergjonsen gets glory, a breakaway the other night. Nope. He's last night. He gets a, a great chance in front that almost turned into a goal. I think it went off the post, and they thought it was in, but it wasn't. But he takes a wrist shot from a pretty good angle. Nope. And I don't have a problem specifically with Geergensons. I have a problem that we have eight of those guys. All right. Hour number two up next at eight thirty. We'll switch to some trade deadline talk. Luke Fox was on. We showed the blog earlier today. If you missed that, it was a good chat, uh, not just in the Sabres, but what the whole deadline picture looks like across the NHL. 803-0550 for your calls on the Sabres before that, right after the break, here on the Nightcap on WGR.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.